teaching cannabis business owners how to effectively manage all aspects of their business, increase profits, and get results. Welcome to Cannabis Solutions, presented by PayQuick. Our expert host coaches you on the do's and don'ts of running your cannabis business with insight, advice, and war stories from the trenches from established leaders in the cannabis industry. Now, the host of Cannabis Solutions, here with the answers to make your cannabis business thrive, Kenneth Burke. Welcome to Cannabis Solutions, presented by PayQuick. I'm Kenneth Burke, and today we are very, very lucky to be joined by Nate Bradley, the Executive Director of the California Cannabis Industry Association, and uh, one of the key folks in the success of getting Prop 64 passed here in California. So, Nate, welcome to the show. We've got a phenomenal show today. How are you doing today? I'm doing great. I've been running nonstop since the uh, election happened, and I'm uh, looking forward to the next year. Well, you must be walking three feet off the ground right now. That's true, and it's not just because I'm tall. <laughs> oh, perfect. All right, well, let's jump right in. Uh, so with Prop 64, the Adult Use of Marijuana Act, having passed in California, um, mm-hmm. walk me through maybe just a couple of the, of the key points of the act that you'd, you'd like folks to, to know about, both uh, on a consumer level, but actually more importantly on a, for current dispensary owners. Well, I mean, from a consumer level, you, you could do the basic, you know, you could possess one ounce of dried flour, eight grams of concentrate, you grow six plants in your house. It's fully decriminalized, so the the big key which affects them and all the industry right now is the fact that the odor of marijuana, of cannabis, is now legal. And so that's no longer a reason, a viable excuse for law enforcement officers to be able to pull you out of, out of your car. Oh, interesting. So, interesting. Yeah, that's going to be key. Yeah, so basically every drug dog in the state is going to have to be retired or retrained, which a lot of them can be. But every dope dog in the state that's been trained or smell for cannabis is is not going to be a uh, is not going to be able to stand up in court anymore. Correct. Then you'll have a whole bunch of of they basically they won't have reasonable search and seizure anymore based on uh, mm-hmm. smelling cannabis. Exactly, which is how they get to ninety nine point nine nine percent of all bus on the road is smell. And Got so it. once that smell is legal, oh yeah, I mean you could live here. Drive down the road with 800 pounds in a U-Haul, and they couldn't pull it out if they smelt it. And that includes uh, both burnt uh, cannabis of having been smoked and dry flour. Yeah, it's just flour. In yeah, well, I mean, burnt is obviously gone, but um, <laughs> burnt cannabis is no longer there. But no, just the odor itself. Yeah, the odor if it's burnt or green, or just the odor of cannabis itself is no longer probable cause to. Uh, it's basically, it's no longer doesn't create reasonable, it doesn't create what's called reasonable suspicion to further an, an, an investigation on like a traffic stop. Of, of course. Understood. Understood. All right. So now from yeah. the, from the, from the business side, business side of I know we're looking at about a year before, um, a dispensary could sell to somebody over 21. Is that about right? Um, yeah, there's language in prop 64 and they're also looking at in the legislature to, possibly allow retail, I mean, to allow medical licensed, locally licensed medical marijuana dispensaries now to sell to to the adult use market. And the reason for this is just for, it's mainly a public safety issue, is that now that it's been decriminalized, if you allow this market to exist, 
without giving them a source to buy from, but it's now it's now been completely it's now legal to possess. You're going to only in, you know encourage an underground market to grow even bigger. Right, because now you can you can buy it underground. You can buy it from a dealer yeah. on the corner, and once you have it in your possession, legal. yeah, once you have it in your possession, well, it's I mean, completely legal. Yeah, and what they found in the other states is that because <clears throat> transfer is legal here. Transfer is one free transfer with no money exchange is legal. So what they saw in other states is they would like go, you know, you would purchase, they would purchase a pipe for 50 bucks. You got a free eighth of weed with it. Correct. We saw that in Washington. Yeah, we saw that in Washington to to try to avoid paying excise taxes. You'd pay 50 bucks for tax. That happened, yeah, in 2010 in Arizona, that happened too when they passed legalization in Arizona. The first dispensaries that were set up were all done under the, it was a club. You come in and you pay $50 to enter the club and then you get an eighth of weed, an eighth of cannabis, you know, an eighth of an ounce. Right, 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 right. Interesting. Interesting. To clarify for us, all the business folks, (laughs) (laughs) all the old street slang. Sorry, guys. Well, that's, um, I mean, obviously that can create significant problems. And I think it also um, can create problems because obviously, as we know, uh, last October, a year ago, October, Governor Brown signed track and trace requirements um, yeah. under for medical cannabis. And those are going to apply equally to adult use or recreational cannabis. And I think, um, you know, the sooner that they get that uh, track and trace platform in place, uh, the better off they're truly going to be. Yep. No, I agree. Uh, 100%. You know, yeah, I mean, when it comes down to what, what these dispensaries, what, what are the changes they're going to see is you're going to see and not a lot of it will change because a lot of Prop 64 was based on uh, the legislation that was passed through the state legislature last year. So it uses all the same agencies, same licensing or the same licensing process and things like that. So they're not going to actually have to face much difference. What it, what it did do is that it removed a lot of the restrictions that were put on them in the state le- in the state medical marijuana legislation. So, for example, you're, uh, there's a lot of cross license restrictions in uh, cross licensure restrictions, right? In the um, MCRSA from last year, Prop 64 uh, doesn't have any of those licensing restrictions, so it's an open market. The only restriction is that the testing license is still an independent license. And so you can't own any other interest in the cannabis industry if you're a testing lab. Right. But and other than that, we can, have a, we can have a fully, well, then are you saying we can have a fully uh, vertically integrated market? Exactly. Which you had in Colorado. And by the way, fully, ver- you know, people freaking out about, you know, how some somehow the fully integrated market is going to, you know, blow out all the current industry. It's going to create the big marijuana. It's going to just, you know, sell uh, cannabis to our kids directly. It's going to be horrible. The reality is in Colorado, which actually mandated vertical integration, they found that it actually kept these businesses smaller because they had to maintain, you know, numerous licenses and had to hire compliance officers for each license. And the right. second, a lot of these dispensaries weren't mandated to be vertically integrated I- anymore. They divested instantly and started just buying cannabis from other people. 
So your the experience in Colorado is is that dispensaries did not want to be vertically integrated. They didn't want all the hassles and headaches and brain damage of all the compliance going along with the grow, as well as the compliance oh, going yeah. along with their store. Oh yeah, I mean I've I've heard I I, I know the um, president of Weed Maps was in uh, Colorado and, and told me about a grow he bit he that he visited uh, one of the larger ones an indoor grow, but they had fifteen compliance officers on site full time, just, just going through and filling out all the paperwork that the state mandated that, that, that they would have to do for their cultivation. So it's a huge, I mean, that's, yeah, it's a huge, it's a huge employees, right. It's a huge, you know, and and, and these are compliance officers. So these are six figure people. So 15 of those, that's $1.5 million a year on average. You're spending them just compliance officers. Understood. And it's, you know, and, and as most folks, I, I don't think understand growing top quality cannabis is not easy. You know, there's a lot of science involved and you need a very, very good master grower, uh, to do that. It's not just, Oh, let's take a slow, a clone and, uh, and grow it under some light. Right. No, exactly. It's, I learned it's that. Difficult. Yeah, I got when I got out, <clears throat> when I got out of law enforcement in 2009, and got my card, I learned how to grow. And it was one of the most difficult processes of my entire life. Um, I tried indoor, outdoor, and it's not easy. I mean, just one little mistake, too many nutrients one day, and your plant just goes down, and then you're done. Your entire harvest is done. So it's it's a difficult, it's, it's not easy. Well, let's talk about this now. Let's let's come back to the regulations, uh, Alma and the MCRSA. What resources mm-hmm. are what resources are available to folks, you know, on the internet or otherwise, for them to kind of educate themselves if they're thinking of, you know, trying to get a license and get into this business? Where would you send them to learn about it? I would go to. I mean, there's a lot of. I mean, our. I would check out our website, cacannabisindustry.org. Okay. CACannabisIndustry.org. Um, or you can also, we have another, uh, our, our newest website, which forwards that one is CCI, joinCCIA.org, which is a, a lot easier to say. Um, let me actually start that over. I just re- remembered we're supposed to promote the other one. Okay. Um, <laughs> um, so, so I would go to joinCCIA.org. Okay. Nate, we need to take a break yeah. right now. We need to take a okay. break. But when we come back, we're going to talk about um, the short-term and long-term changes for California's cannabis business. And I also want to get into you uh, the whole banking issue and cash management issue affecting the cannabis industry. So stick with us. We'll be right back. We'll bring you more Cannabis Solutions after this. Oh, let the marijuana llama tell you something now. Bought a game for your phone, gonna make you say, wow! The game's about the game of growing cannabis for cash. Grow the seeds, sell the bud, put the savings in the stash. Little by little, your empire grows large. Put the big celebrities inside your entourage. You can choose to play with Snoop or me or Chichin Chong. Cypress Hill, Willie Nelson, Wiz Khalifa with a bong. The name of the game is Himping, that's the point. Download and play while you light yourself a joint. The business of cannabis should be no crime. Hemp Inc. is even hot-proofed by the man who run high times. Oh, yeah. Get it on Android and I and iOS today. Marijuana Llama out. Got to tend to me on crops, you know. Money don't make itself. Hemp Inc. Seeking a career in cannabis? Ready to become the next great butt tender? 
Increase your knowledge, skills, and higher ability with a Tricomb certification today. Tricomb Institute is the only cannabis education company in the world with courses that include textbooks, workbooks, and expert-approved and government-certified curriculum. Tricomb now offers these courses online. Take the courses at your own pace with 24-7 live human support from anywhere in the world. These courses are perfect for physicians, pharmacists, MMJ parents or patients, adult use customers, and most of all, aspiring bud tenders. The course includes full access to the cannabis industry's largest job board and even includes resume building help. Register for online courses with the cannabis industry's educational leader in science, education, and training. Visit TricombInstitute.com today. Everyone deserves the medicine they need. Aaron's Premium CBD Essentials and CBD Nectar products are made from plant-based organic ingredients, grown and processed in the United States. Our unique formula of coconut oil and coconut water, infused with CBD oil, is ideal for all skin types and provides maximum relief. Aaron's Essentials was formulated by 9-11 First Responder and Stage 4 Cancer Survivor Aaron Sieber. As a cannabis connoisseur, Aaron began making and using his own lab-tested medicinal cannabis products to help relieve the side effects of his rigorous cancer treatments. Visit www.cannosaurbrands.com for more information on Aaron's Essentials and learn how you can pay it forward. That's C-A-N-N-A-I-S-S-E-U-R-Brands.com. Keep your cannabis cravings under control. Feed your mind with CannabisRadio.com. Cannabis Solutions, presented by PayQuick, is back to help your cannabis thrive. Only on CannabisRadio.com. Welcome back. I'm Kenneth Burke, and this is Cannabis Solutions, presented by PayQuick. We are very lucky today to have Nate Bradley with us, the executive director of the California Cannabis Industry Association and a chief proponent of Prop 64, which is passed in California. Nate, let's talk now about cash management, banking, um, and really how to deal with, uh, for a, a dispensary, how they should be dealing with their cash and what they need to be doing from a compliance standpoint in California, even with Prop 64 having passed. So having said that, you know, what advice do you have for uh, cannabis business owners um, with respect to compliance and uh, cash management? Well, ever since California passed their plastic band bag, I would say move to paper bags for all the cash. I was trying to get a chuckle there. Um, <laughs> I got it. It is difficult. It is difficult. Because no, I would say tough. Well, move, move and turkey bags and dryer sheets to hide the odor in the turkey bags when you have to move them to the bank. No, um, that's the difficult. That's the reality right now. Because the reality right now is like I even have, as the executive director of the biggest trade association in the state re- representing the, the industry, I still have to pick up envel- envelopes of cash from my members in different times. And that's the, that's the reality right now. And so it's difficult right now um, until these, you know, until you're, you know, the licenses really start to be issued, they're going to have a difficult time. I know I've, I've taken some meetings with the association that represents the, uh, the, um, uh, the, it's uh, one second. Sure. Take your time. 
Well, and, and, I've taken and some what, meetings. Oh, I was, about, uh, I was about to do a break and start that over. Um, no, I've taken meetings with the California Credit Union League, and they're actively lobbying in D.C. right now on, on this issue. So it's not just say, us and the National Cannabis Industry Association working on this issue, but the California, the California Credit Union League is, the National Bankers Association is. Of course, and I know we've got... We've got a lot of folks in up in Washington State that are lobbying for it, and I think the yeah. real key, um, and I'd like your opinion on this, but I, I think the real key to being able to make you know the money bankable is the seed to sale traceability system because you've got yeah. to make sure that you know every dollar coming into the bank comes from a state legal sale of marijuana. Mm-hmm. That's that's truly what makes the money bankable. I think that's what will give banks a greater comfort in the ability to take the money in if they can be assured that that money comes from a state legal sale. And that obviously with respect yeah. to the Cole memo, you know, none of the eight enforcement priorities um, in the Cole memo are being. Well, I mean, and let's just say Cole memo. I mean, we. <laughs> so what I'm hearing you say, Nate, is that, you know, we've really hit kind of DEFCON five with respect to uh, the banking issue. Yeah, mainly this is because the election that's happened this last week. You've heard from the past few years when you, when you just referenced the Cole memo a few minutes ago, and people would say, "Well, that's great. That's you know Obama's in the office now." But what happens if a if a right wing Republican takes over, and people would be like, "Oh, that's not going to happen. It's not going to happen for years." Um, <laughs> well, yeah, obviously, <laughs> and then obviously all of a sudden, did. it happened. So we're curious to see. I mean, this could all change if I mean if he if he put somebody in the attorney general's office. Yeah, but I think going me, to go let me after- tell you what. Let me tell you what my opinion is on that because obviously we we yeah, studied it quite heavily, um, given in the in the industry that that Paquick is in, um, and we handle the cash and we process the cash, etc. And that is you know between uh, Hillary and Donald. They disagreed on everything, absolutely everything. But there really was one common denominator between the two. And the common denominator between the two was that they agreed about leaving uh, marijuana regulation to the states. That's truly the only thing they agreed upon. Totally agree with you. I just, my concern is, my concern is I just, the Trump, President-elect Trump has been so un, he's gone back and forth on a lot of stuff. I don't Correct. know where he will land on this. You're yeah, right. You makes d- sense. I mean, I have spoken don't. with congressmen who have assured me. I mean, I have personally spoken with Repu- with Republican congressmen who have assured me he has promised us he will leave it up to the states. So, I mean, pers- I mean, I, I know congressmen who have personally got those promises from him. And so, I I, I want as long as that remains, as long as that actually happens. Um, then I think we're going to be fine, and you will see some actual. If that happens, we will see some actual banking reforms happen. Because the reality is, is Republicans have controlled Congress for the past, you know, what, what, what is it, the past four years, right? And both houses for the past like, four four years now, and they've passed numerous pro cannabis, you know, bills. You're so right, I'm and I think we will about, see yeah. it. I'm I'm not really worried yeah. about it either. I, I I'm truly not because I think he wants to leave no, it. No, you're right. The reasons there, one, I think he wants to leave it to the states. Two, there's too much tax dollars involved. There's clearly too much potential tax dollars involved. And three, you know, I think what we'll see next is is a baby step and probably a rescheduling of cannabis 
to uh, a Schedule II control substance instead of Schedule I. And, and that alone, in my opinion, should really help because the, the other Class II substances like even you know, cocaine or methadone um, you know, those can be uh, commercially produced. Yes, so what's not going to go away, in my opinion, what's not going to go away is the track and trace requirements because you can't be a, a cocaine, you know, a pharmaceutical cocaine manufacturer and not keep track of every quarter gram of cocaine that you're making in your plant. No, I agree 100%. So I, I think that is going to stay and the track and trace is going to stay. And our whole approach mm -hmm. obviously has always been that, that if you can track and trace the, the, the medicine, then you can reverse engineer that and trace the money. Um, and that exactly. makes the business bankable. Yep. You know, at least that's, that's our opinion at PayQuick is that's what makes No, I agree hundred percent. I think the track and trace element to this industry is not going away anytime soon. And I think, you know, it, it, we really have a unique opportunity to, to set the stage for other states on how it should be done. Um, you know, and I think one of the other main things, and I'd like to get your opinion on this, but, but our opinion is certainly one of the keys that has made the business work so well and make it bankable in Washington state is that everything is prepacked. So you truly can trace it from seed all the way to retail sale. Whereas if it's not prepacked, like you've got in, in, uh, Colorado, it runs into significant mm -hmm. issues. Mm-hmm. No, I agree. I think we're going to see that in this state. There's a lot of discussion. I've heard some of that happen. I've heard people um, talking about that now, sort of you know, making sure that it's prepackaged before it leaves the farm or before it even heads. I mean, before it heads to the distribution company. Right. And so, yeah, you'll, you'll see that now. I know a lot of people are going to be doing that as it is. So that might be, we, we might see that in this state. I think that would be very helpful for California if everything was was prepacked and and to me it really, you know, it, it has to be prepacked. Well, so I, so I know it's sold if you to get the customer, banking, right? It's well, it's got to be prepacked. Pardon me. I, what I'm saying, if you can get banking out of it, I know the industry will have no problem jumping on it, you know, hands down. Got it. So yeah, if, if so, if if banking comes along with with prepack regulation. Um, or a, a prepack mandate, then then the industry is going to um, accept that. It sounds like. I, I think it'll be a lot easier for them to accept. Good to know. Really, really good to know. That that's our opinion as well, and it just makes it so much uh, so much cleaner. And that's and I think that and that's the same for any other class two substance. You know, mm -hmm. that's all prepack, right? So having exactly. said that, ha having said that. Um, what are some of the, and we've only got a minute before our next break or a couple of minutes before our next break, but what would be some of the traps for the unwary of someone who's now seen prop 64 pass, they want to get into the marijuana industry. You know, what are some of the traps for, for them that they should really try to avoid when getting into it? Um, well, first of all, make sure you have enough capital. This isn't cheap. That's the first thing people need to understand. Right. You know, it's, it's, it's not, I mean, I know it's, if you have a small mom and pop business, I, I support you. I mean, this industry has been made off. I mean, my, my membership consists of mainly small businesses. Um, but the reality is, is that 
you need to make sure you're in compliance with all the rules. So don't just, I've heard from, I've got calls from a lot of people are like, all right, let me go get my license now. I'm going to go open up my shop next week and we're going to start selling it. And they know it's not that simple. Make sure whatever you do is in full compliance with local laws first. I've known too many people who have invested. I know people who've invested, you know, half a million dollars, close to a million dollars into outfitting, into retrofitting a restaurant into a dispensary without getting county approval first, thinking that they would just do it, it would be okay. And because it's because all these, this was about a year ago, right after the, after right. the law was passed. And the problem is the Sacramento County doesn't allow it a, one bit whatsoever. Ouch. So it doesn't so it matter like that you, you didn't, that you've really, all paid your code. Go for it. No, I was going to say what that really ties into is, and then we got to take a break. But what that really ties into is you really got to do your homework. You know, you got to do yeah. your homework on local county ordinances. You got to do your homework um, on Alma, um, and you've you've got to get professionals involved, attorneys, accountants, to really advise you before you jump into this. So you don't, you know, basically make a huge mistake that's going to cost you your entire investment. Exactly. I've seen people lose. I have seen people lose millions of dollars over the past six years that I, I have been working on this. All right, so we need to take a break, but when we come back, we're going to continue talking with Nate Bradley, the executive director of the California Cannabis Industry Association. I'm Ken Burke, and this is Cannabis Solutions, presented by PayQuick. We'll bring you more Cannabis Solutions after this. Do you want to get in on the booming cannabis industry? With New Frontier Data, we give industry insiders the power of big data analytics to help navigate this rapidly growing and changing landscape. New Frontier's tools help you make critical decisions based on the facts. Our industry analyst reports reveal the best opportunities. Our custom research engagements deliver answers to the most difficult questions. And our cutting-edge big data platform, Equio, puts real-time information and answers you need right at your fingertips. Go to www.equio.io and sign up for your free membership today. That's eqio.io to sign up now. The power of real-time big data is now in your hands. Run with New Frontier and let us help you conquer the wild. <sighs> Cash? Sorry. I don't carry around cash, and I don't want to use the ATM and pay surcharges. You don't need to carry cash. Haven't you heard about PayQuick? Okay, tell me about PayQuick. It's the safe and easy way to pay. It works just like your debit card to securely pay for your purchase, and it gives you rewards points every time you use it. Nice. PayQuick, the safe and easy way to pay. P-A-Y-Q-W-I-C-K dot com. The next generation of vaporizers has arrived. Vuber vaporizers are blazing the way with unparalleled technology for oil, concentrate, or dry flower pens. Providing unsurpassed customer service and expert craftsmanship, Vuber vaporizers use cutting-edge technology, providing a power-packed, smoother vapor with a lifetime guarantee. Experience vaporizing the way it was meant to be, the Vuber way. From dabs to chivas, sativas to indicas, we roll out a whole concentrate of fresh new content every week. It's like going from the greenhouse to the dispensary. CannabisRadio.com Cannabis Solutions, presented by PayQuick, is back. 
to help your cannabis thrive. Only on CannabisRadio.com. Welcome back. This is Cannabis Solutions presented by PayQuick. We're here with Nate Bradley, the Executive Director of the California Cannabis Industry Association. So, Nate, um, in our last segment, what I want to ask you about is what do you see as the any difference in the treatment of how this will impact Southern California's cannabis industry versus Northern California's cannabis industry? The when you when you hit Kern County right at the Grapevine, which is right which is right above the Grapevine. Well, I'm speaking really local right now. Um, the Grapevine is the is the curvy is the very curved highway that goes through the mountains right before you enter a uh, uh, Los Angeles. So. About Kern County on down to Southern California is very anti uh, is very anti cannabis. So Southern California is going to have a lot of education that they're going to need to do on their local governments to get them ready to accept this 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 industry. And much of Northern California's counties have 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 cultivation in it, and so they're already used to the industry as a whole. So it's not that big of a deal as they start to, to license all of these entities. Southern California is going to be a whole different ballgame. Interesting. And I know San, San Diego has been uh, incredibly hostile toward the cannabis yeah. industry. So that, so from a governmental, a local governmental regulation perspective, um, it's going to be impacted far differently in Southern California. And if you're deciding to get into the business in Southern California, it sounds like you've really got to go in and see your local governmental officials, let them uh, introduce yourself to them, let them see who you are, let them get to know you and trust you and understand what you're doing and be completely transparent with them. And that's going to make it a lot easier for you to get into the business, whether it's as a grower, a processor, or a retail store. Exactly. Interesting. Interesting. Well, that's that's phenomenal advice and because they're just not as used to it yet. So what do you see uh, as the future for the cannabis industry in, in California as a whole, you know, and as we as we roll out across the country? What what can people do to help, you know, um, push this industry forward, both in California, even though we, we do have a passage of Prop 64 and on the national level? Um. You want? Can you ask that question one more time? Sure. Sorry. It was it was kind of compound. So where do you see the? Can- <laughs> let's start with Cal- Let's start with California, and then we'll talk to we'll talk about what folks can do to help on a federal level. So in California, you know, where do you see the future of the cannabis industry in in uh, California? Where do you think this is going? I mean, California is such a big state. You know, Colorado makes up half the population of LA County. And so there's going to be a lot of. I think California is going to set the is going to set the standard now for products, for research and development on the industry itself. There's so many more. There's there's so many more. I think let me say that over. Start for a second. The population of California is you know about ten times larger than the other states, and so the amount of people here to be reached. Is is going to be ten, it's going to be tenfold as well, and so people are going to be more driven to to produce better products. The competition is going is going to be more intense. I really see California as becoming the 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 leader of the development and innovation for the uh, for the entire country. Right, and I think I think you're right, both from a 
uh, product perspective. And then I think we really have an obligation on ourselves um, in California to set the gold standard from a compliance and business perspective, because we're, we're clearly going to get the, the product development here because of the demand. But we really have an yeah. opportunity on the other side of the coin as an industry to make it a legitimate, transparent industry um, to take that approach and not cut corners. So if you're thinking of getting into the cannabis business in California, do not get in it with a view of you know trying to make a quick dollar or trying to make a quick million bucks. Think that you're yeah. going to be able to do that. That was um, six years and, ago. Yeah, that was six right. to ten years ago when it was when 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 the risk profile was still you know through the roof when you were still at risk of having your new doors kicked in. That's when you were making a lot of the quick bucks. Now in this world with regulations and rules, the day of the quick buck in the cannabis industry is gone. Welcome to regulations and the rules that everybody else has, has to follow as well. That's great advice. That's phenomenal, phenomenal advice. It's, it, it's key. Um, do not think that, uh, that you can do it. All right, Nate, we got to close the show now, but I want to give you a, an opportunity you know, to give one last bit of, uh, of advice to our listeners dealing with, uh, with respect to the California cannabis market. The biggest piece of advice is something we kind of talked about a little bit earlier, but do your homework. Don't run into this headstrong thinking it's going, it's going to be easy. If you're somebody who has made your money by making quick, fast, uh, quick, fast business decisions, if you're somebody who shoots from the hip, all I can say is stop. Take a deep breath and really research every decision you're going to make because there's going to be millions of dollars dumped into this industry over the next 10 years. But the reality, is, the reality is it's going to be just like the internet boom of, of the late 90s, where you saw, you know, eggs2yourhouse.com pop up and then die in a month or two. You're going right. to see a lot of that. So just because you have an idea, there's somebody willing to put some capital onto it, doesn't, necessi doesn't necessarily mean it's a great idea. Do your research, understand the market first, and be cautious before you know, before you, you jump in head first. Got it. And you know, the only thing I would add to that, that is, uh, do your research with respect to the laws and operating compliance and be, yeah. uh, be transparent to your banks, to your regulators, uh, to state Don't governmental officials, local governmental officials, be absolutely yeah. upfront and transparent. And Nate, with that, I want to thank you so much for being on the show. We've had Nate Bradley from the California Cannabis Industry Association joining us talking about Prop 64 and what's going on and what will be going on here in California. To our listeners, thank you so much. This is Cannabis Solutions presented by Paquick. We hope you found this show useful and learned something that can help you today in your cannabis business. You can download past episodes of our program by going to CannabisRadio.com or subscribing to the show on iTunes, Stitcher, or iHeartRadio. Thanks so much, everybody. The opinions expressed on this CannabisRadio.com program are those of the guests and hosts and do not necessarily reflect those of the staff and management of CannabisRadio.com.
Any rebroadcast or redistribution without proper consent of CannabisRadio.com is prohibited.